Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. Thank you for being with us today. We have another fabulous, fantastic guest. I'm going to be speaking with Shahab Anari, who is a positive psychology practitioner, professional coach, trainer, speaker, author, and personal branding expert. Shahab helps clients and audience members flourish and build high performance habits with his positive psychology-based methodology. He has shared the stage with legendary speakers such as Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Ryan Tracy, Jack Canfield, and Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome to the show, Shahab. Thanks, Kristen. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Um, Shahab, so I'm so excited to give people an opportunity to learn more about you. Um, We met, just to let the audience know a little bit more about our history, I met you um, when I wasn't a member yet of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, I want to say at this point, I was just starting my business. So it must be almost five years ago. And I immediately gravitated to Shahab because he was just so personable, so friendly, asked questions, like just made me feel really included. And I I just want to reflect back. I think that's such a part of who you are. You're just a really inclusive, kind, caring kind of person. Thank you so much, Kristen. Yeah, I do remember that day. Uh, and uh, we had this lovely conversation. You asked me a few questions about, uh, you know, what's the benefits of becoming a member of CAPS, and I shared my own experience. So I'm really happy that after five years, we're both members and we have this professional relationship. I'm truly grateful for that. Yeah, and we both serve on the the board this year. We were on the the, the board of the Toronto Association, and um, just such a great community. And one of the things that I was so fascinated fascinated about, and um, I want people to learn more about, is your story. Because you know, people would meet Shahab and be like, "Oh, he's he's got this all figured out. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like he's been in this country forever." Uh, because you just it it just feels like, and I think that's so much of who you are and your positive mindset and a lot of the work that you do. But tell us a little bit more about your story around, you know, coming from Iran, coming to this country, what got you into all of this work? Um, I'd love people to to learn and hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, It was the day before yesterday, I'm taking an advanced positive psychology course, and I was sharing with uh, the group of students there that uh, everybody sees me now as this cool, collected quote unquote, wise person, hopefully they see me as a wise person, but most people see me as this collected, cool, calm, wise person who has got his things together and knows exactly what he's doing. But that was not the case when I first came to Canada. So uh, I'm a first generation immigrant to Canada. I'm originally from Iran. Uh, I've been in the training slash speaking slash coaching space uh, for the past 20 something years. Uh, 
Originally, I trained as a medical doctor. So I am a medical doctor. I graduated from med school. Uh, but I, I knew right from the beginning that this I'm not meant to be a medical doctor. I was not passionate about it. I truly respect medical doctors. I come from a family of medical doctors. My wife is a medical doctor. My sister, my brother, uh, it runs in the family. But I knew right from the beginning that I was not meant to be in that field. Uh, my passion lay elsewhere, which was, you know, teaching and empowering people. Uh, when I was teaching a, uh, back then a group of students, I just came to life. I, I, I became alive and uh, juiced and, you know, energized. And right from the beginning, I, in my adulthood, I realized that I'm meant to be a teacher. And of course, it was not an easy choice. You know, you, you, you work so hard to get into the med school. You work so hard to graduate from med school. So many people are killing themselves to get into med school. But I got into med school, I graduated, and I just left it and devoted myself to teaching. And in, in a lot of people's minds, this is a crazy decision because in most people's eyes, if you're a teacher, uh, compared to a medical doctor, the prestige is lower, the income is lower. We're talking about average stats. Of course, this is not my opinion. This is not the truth with a capital T. Of course, this is what most people think. So if you're a doctor, you will have higher prestige, higher income on average. Uh, and and, and uh, on average, you will, you will have a more comfortable life. So it was a very hard decision for me. Anyway, I devoted myself to teaching training. Uh, um, over the course of seven, eight years, I became very successful as a teacher in my field. Back then I was teaching high school students and preparing themselves for the university entrance exam in Iran, which is a very big deal. It's a, it's a nationwide, nationwide fierce exam. Uh, at some point, 1.5 million students a few years ago, 1.5 million students participated in that exam. So it's a very big deal. So back then I was preparing students for that university entrance exam. And over the course of seven, eight years, I became very well-known and, and popular and quote unquote famous in my field. I was traveling all around the country to sold out seminars. I was fully booked like a couple of years in advance. But after a few years, I hit a ceiling and I realized uh, I'm not passionate about this work anymore. I'm making good money. I'm, I'm helping people. My students are very happy with uh, my method of teaching and the services that I offer. The schools and academies that I work with, they, they are happy with me. They like me, but I was not happy inside. And at the same time, my wife and I were considering immigrating from Iran mostly because we were thinking about our future kids. Back then we didn't have kids, but we were thinking, okay, at some point we wanna have kids and we want them to grow up in a, you know, in a better environment. And, and by better, I mean, overall better, not necessarily uh, from, a, from a particular aspect, uh, in an environment where there is more opportunity for them um, and for us. So it was not just about them, uh, for us as well. And we were considering the different options. Obviously, 
uh, we landed on Canada and we started the immigration process. All throughout those years when, uh, you know, we were through the process of immigration and we had applied, we were waiting for the results. Uh, and at the same time, I had this feeling that I'm not passionate about teaching high school students anymore. Um, I was in this place of transition. So I didn't know what I was going to do. If eventually I wanted to move to Canada, well, uh, I was asking myself, what am I going to do in Canada? I don't want to pursue my current career anymore. I want to do something else, but it will be a different country. I don't have any network. I'm going to have to start from scratch. So it was a lot of transition. Transition in terms of where you're living, transition in your career, transition in your uh, network and everything, right? It, it was like a rebirth for me. And I'm truly grateful for that. Uh, back then, it was overwhelming, stressful, uh, and it's very reasonable. You know, any immigrant goes through that turmoil. But now, looking back, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it provided me with the opportunity to you know, do some self-reflection, to know myself better and, uh, you know, start from a blank slate. So to cut the long story short, um, during that process of immigration, I spent maybe a couple of years to figure out what I was going to do. And I realized I am very good at empowering and inspiring people. And my strengths lie in obviously teaching and training and that sort of, you know, in that field. So I landed on coaching and training. So I want to be a professional coach. I want to be a professional speaker in Canada. And uh, I started that process. I, I signed up for a coach training program and I did several others after that. Uh, I uh, started, you know, holding my own events, very small events. Uh, in person and online, and I started practicing, you know, giving seminars uh, on, on these new topics because my topic had changed. I was in a new country. I was with a new audience. And the first two years, uh, it was very difficult. Um, I, I would say for any immigrant, the first two years is very difficult. But I know it firsthand that for me, it was nerve wracking. I almost fell into depression at the end of the first year. I got a lot of anxiety attacks. Uh, my chronic bowel disease that I've had for a very long time, it went into a flare. And at some point, my GI doctor told me, Shahab, slow down. Otherwise, this can turn into cancer. And that was a turning point for me. That was a defining moment in my immigration because I realized, okay, I'm killing myself to, to get established in Canada. Yes, I'm an immigrant. I want to support my family. I want to become successful. I want to establish myself. But through all of that, and because of all of that stress, I'm, I'm killing myself. And there's no good in this type of pressure and, and stress. So I humbled myself and, and, and I did a lot of reflection, self-reflection. And I realized that um, I need to become a student again. Mm. Yes, I come with a lot of experience. I've been successful in the past, but this is a new field. This is a new 
playground. This is a new country. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you consider your way of thinking and your way of doing things right or wrong. You have to face the reality. You need to learn some stuff. You need to learn how things work in Canada, you know, in, in your new playground. And, and then I, I, I became a student. I took a lot of courses. I worked with coaches. I did a lot of testing. Uh, and, and I just started from point zero, from scratch. And um, with a kind of detached involvement, you're a professional coach, you know what I'm talking about. And hopefully our audience know that as well. Detached involvement is all about getting totally engaged with the task in front of you, getting totally involved in it, but at the same time, becoming detached from the result. So I was focused in the moment. I was doing my best in the moment. I was trying stuff, testing stuff, but I was detached from the, from the result. I was not attached to the outcome. Um, so I'm going to stop here to see what other questions you have for me. Oh yeah. So many, so many. It's like, which pathway do I want to go with, with here with Shahab? Um, because I mean, and we're going to be talking a little bit about mental resilience today. And I know that your story demonstrates it very clearly. Many different examples of that mental resilience. One thing that there's a couple of threads I want to pull out there. One thread is, so you said, oh, it, you know, it doesn't take that much courage because I was doing what I love when you made that choice, but it does. I'm here to reflect back to you. It is incredibly courageous when you're going to med school. And I'm assuming, you know, that's something that probably your parents expected, your family, everybody around you was doing that. And so here you, you know, went in a different direction. And then I saw you do it again when you recognize, oh, you know what? The school stuff, I'm loving the, the kids, but again, something's pulling me in this different direction. So there's obviously your in tunes with your intuition and pay attention to it. I hear that number one, but number two, you still take action, even though not everybody around you might see and support what you're doing. So I'm curious around both of those. So part one, listening to your intuition and then part two taking action, even though other people might not support that decision or might say like, what are you doing? Like you're a doctor. How did you handle, how did, how did both of those manifest for you? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And thanks for pointing those two things out. So, so in terms of intuition, I guess we all have it. And especially as a professional coach, you're a professional coach as well. We use it a lot as well. But back then I was not a professional coach, but I used my intuition a lot. Let me, let me explain this a little bit more. We all have intuition. We may not trust it. We may not be aware of it, but we all have a sense of intuition. And that's the deeper knowing. That's the deeper knowing that we have. Uh, some, some people explain it in a spiritual manner, uh, we are all one. This is we are. This is all about unity. We are connected to the source, to the universe. But but there is also scientific explanation about intuition, which uh, where we talk about uh, mirror neurons and empathy and all of that stuff. I don't want to get too scientific here. Uh, I, I just want to say intuition exists. We all have it. We may not be aware of it, and we may not trust it. But I realized 
there is some nagging feeling inside of me. I was aware of the fact that something is bothering me. Uh, in both cases, both when I was in med school and something was nagging me, and eventually I decided to you know, forget about medicine and did, dedicate myself to teaching. And also when I uh, immigrated to Canada and changed my field to positive psychology and professional coaching, something was nagging me and I paid attention to that feeling. I didn't ignore it. I decided not to be a victim. I decided to tell myself, I don't wanna, I don't wanna tell myself, this is how it's supposed to be. This is my life and that's the destiny. I don't accept that. I want to change it. If something is nagging me, I don't want to live this way. I only got this one life. I want, to, I want to live happily. And no matter what other people say, if they say you're, you're crazy to, to leave medicine and, and become a high school teacher, if, if people say you're crazy, you're famous in Iran and you want to go and start from scratch in, a, in another country where nobody knows you, it didn't matter to me, honestly. I'm not saying that I'm too bold. I'm not saying that I'm too courageous. I'm just saying I paid attention to that nagging feeling. I honored the fact that something needed to change. And a lot of us, just something to consider for, for uh, the folks who are listening to us right now, a lot of us are somehow aware that something needs to change in our lives but we tend to ignore that sound. We tend to ignore that voice. Uh, we tend to convince ourselves that, no, it's okay, I don't need to change, I can cope with this. But at the end of the day, when we're alone, we know that something needs to change. Whatever we tell ourselves, in deep in our heart, we know that this is not right. Something needs to change. And that is the decisive moment. That is the defining moment. That is where you choose to become a victim or you choose to become a victor, right? You, you choose the path of least resistance and, you know, go, go in the direction of like a mediocre life where everything is okay, it's fine. Or you choose to you know, go in the direction of uh, short-term dissatisfaction and, and, you know, difficulty and long-term prosperity and, and happiness. Anyway, so in terms of intuition, yes, uh, I had the intuition and I paid attention to it and I continue to honor my intuition and, and develop it even more. And, and in terms of what people said, I, I always believe that whenever you're doing something out of the ordinary, some, you know, not, not something that you do every day, you know, anything that goes a little bit outside of your comfort zone, a little bit or a lot outside of your comfort zone, you will, you will panic and, and people around you will panic because you're, you know, disturbing the status quo. You're disrupting what's familiar. You're, uh, changing what people are used to. You're, uh, you're transforming what people are acquainted with, right? And when, the, when you're changing the equilibrium and when you're disrupting the balance, um, 
both you yourself and people around you will, you know, will pay attention and, and, and they will freak out. And that's evolutionary in my, in, in, in my opinion. That's something evolutionary in human beings, right? Human beings, uh, our minds, our mind wants to protect us, right? Uh, our mind alerts us whenever we want to do something new and unusual because our mind wants to protect us and it doesn't want us to, you know, get hurt. So our mind tells us, don't do it. Others around us will tell us, don't do it. And a lot of times it's uh, good intentions, but good intentions don't necessarily mean it's the right thing, right? It's the right thing for you. A lot of times when you, uh, again, have that nagging feeling, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. You have to take risks and you have to know that uh, a lot of people will freak out and that's fine. Yeah. Well, and I think something, a couple of really good things you said there. One is um, there, they, it's, it can also be uncomfortable for them because sometimes that means it's holding up a mirror. Cause it's like, Oh, you doing that is now making me recognize some of the ways I'm staying comfortable in my life. And I don't want to stretch out there. I just want to stay over here. And I want you to stay over here too. Let's just stay all in this comfortable place. Right. So that can show up. And, um, and then the other thing that um, I can really resonate with in terms of the intuition piece, and it's, it's something I've really worked on as well. And those times where it gets very loud. And then sometimes when you look backwards, you recognize, oh, there were those moments, right? So for myself as the entrepreneur, you know, excelled in an entrepreneurship class back when I was 18 years old, like there was a part of me that knew even back then, but it was like, oh, we'll just take the safe path, the safe path. And then there's this itch. And then the itch starts to get a little bit a bigger and a bigger and a bigger itch. And I, I know for me, I, I share the story. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but for me, it was literally sitting in a meditation in New York city with 300 people in the room. And the voice in my head was so loud that saying, it's time to quit your job. It's time to quit your job was so loud that I'm like, are the people beside me? Are they hearing this voice? Like, what is going on? Where's this coming from? And I guess it was because the whispers were not loud enough. I needed to hear a really loud, booming voice to get my attention. <laughs> but it's those times and, and, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. It was just in, in, in my face. And I want to acknowledge that there's listeners that I'm sure they're hearing and recognizing this voice. And it's very easy for us to create all these stories why I can't. Other people can but I can't. And I'm here to tell you those are limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and one thing that comes to my mind is um, what the author of the book, Freakonomics, said in his book. Uh, he, he did this big study, or he quotes this big study in his book, uh, where thousands of people have been researched on. And the research says, eventually, those people who made the change in spite of all the difficulties were happier in the end. Meaning if you have that itch, if, there, if there's that nagging feeling inside and you're considering, should I do it? Should I not do it? Eventually, statistics say that eventually, if you make the change, no matter what happens in the end, you will be happier in the long run. Yes. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's like you said, it's just convinced, convincing our thoughts that a lot of times that are trying to protect us and keep us safe and letting them know like, yeah, we can keep it safe. And we live a lot in this world where we want everything right away and recognizing it's going to take time and being self-compassionate with ourselves and being graceful with ourselves as we're going through that learning journey, like you were talking about and progressing and allowing yourself the grace to learn and be with new things. And that takes a little bit of time. We're not overnight successes. We hear the media kind of makes it seem like these things are overnight successes, but you talk to any of the famous authors, actors, it doesn't matter, activists, anybody, they'll say, oh yeah, I'm a 10 year overnight success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and science proves that as well. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the work of Dr. Hans Erikson. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Anders Erikson, who passed away recently. Uh, you know, the 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell talks about. We're not talking about specific numbers. Uh, I, I'm saying science proves that it takes at least five to seven, sometimes 10 years um, to get to that world-class level in any field. And you have to take deliberate action and make deliberate practice every single day during those five, seven, 10 years in order to get to that level. So just to confirm what you said, uh, it, success is never an overnight thing. It, it might seem to people that way, but it's never that way. And although we know that, we're always in a hurry. We, we, I'm, I'm talking about myself. When I immigrated to Canada, I was in a hurry. I, I need to establish myself within one year or two years. And it was not happening. And it was totally fine. Now that I look back, it made sense. I was new to the country. It didn't matter how, you know, how intelligent I was, what, what kind of degree I had, uh, whether I was a nice person or not. None of that mattered. It takes time, right? It takes time to settle yourself, your, yourself in a new country. It takes time to start a new business. It takes time to make that transition. And for the folks who are listening to us, it might not be about immigration. It might not necessarily be about starting a business. It might be about some other change they want to make in their lives, especially big changes, big transitions. And if we are aware of the fact that we need to make that change because we have that itch and we need to be mindful of the fact that it takes a few years for us to completely transition. Then we will, you know, we will most probably uh, be courageous enough to take the first few steps. Yeah. And, and you're starting to manage expectations and putting a little bit less pressure on yourself. I, I know for, and I'm sure you experience this as well, Shahab, a lot of my clients, it's not anybody else out there actually putting all the pressure on them. The, the most pressure is actually coming from themselves and their own expectations and, and not necessarily speaking as kind to themselves as they would, they would speak to the people around them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, in positive psychology, we talk about uh, awareness, compassion, and care. And we can take it a level up and say self-awareness, self-compassion, and self-care. So it all starts with self-awareness, which leads to self-compassion, uh, just like you mentioned, and being kind to ourselves and giving ourselves the grace sometimes to to take a little bit more time 
to, to get used to the new situation. And then that will lead to self-care, which is very, very important. Going back to my story of, uh, you know, my bowel disease going into a flare. Uh, at that moment, I realized, what am I doing to myself? What am I doing to my family? Yes, I want to start this business, but what's the cost? What, I, I don't want to kill myself uh, doing that. So makes perfect sense. And I think what you're saying right now is, is somewhere I want to go with you because it's something I'm noticing in terms of some patterns and organizations over the last 20 months during a pandemic. And I think your story is very poignant and powerful when it comes to uh, sacrificing your health for anything, sacrificing yourself, your health for a job, for, for uh, whatever that may look like. And um, I've noticed that for some people during this pandemic, a lot of times leaders too, um, and sometimes it's the culture of the organization where they're expecting more and more and more output and productivity. And I, I have a lot of conversations with the organization. Some of the onus is on them and their culture and what they're asking for and recognizing they don't have robots. However, mm. some of it is also at the individual level and managing um, managing what they're doing to take care of themselves. So I'm curious around what kind of, um, what kind of recommendations would you have, especially with looking at perhaps some of the positive psychology and some of the work you do around mental resilience, what are your recommendations for some of the people who are like, well, I can't help it. I just have like, you know, there's so much I need to get done. And if I don't work 12 hour days, I won't get it all done. What, what are your summary, some of your thoughts for those people? Because I know there's somebody right now listening to this podcast that is going to be in these shoes and Shahab's going to have some advice for you around that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is a very big topic, uh, Kristen. And, and um, we all appreciate the fact that this is a fast-changing world we are living in. And um, these are fast-changing times. People have gone through difficulties in their personal and professional lives over the past two years. And so I can't just pinpoint one topic or one piece of advice to share with, with the, the audience, but I can, but I can start here. Uh, prioritize positivity in your life, right? That's the big topic. Let's prioritize positivity in our lives. And by positivity, I'm not talking about happyology and being happy all the time. Positive psychology is not about being happy all the time. Uh, some people get it wrong. Positive psychology is paying attention to how we can take people from neutral to positive. How can we help people flourish? So traditionally, psychology has always been focused on the negative, uh, what's happening with people who are dealing with anxiety, depression, mental illnesses, and so on and so forth. But over the past 25, 30 years, there has been this new branch, positive psychology, which is focused on how can people flourish? If somebody does not have anxiety and depression, it doesn't mean that they are flourishing. The absence of anxiety and depression doesn't mean that people are flourishing. No. It means that people are neutral. They are at the, you know, zero. How can we get them to positive? How can we take them north of positive? So if we prioritize positivity, then uh, we're, we're going in the right direction. 
And we have a model in positive psychology that helps people flourish more and more, helps people get away from anxiety, too much stress, depression, anger, and all those negative feelings, and takes them towards, you know, north of neutral. And that model is called PERMA. And PERMA is an acronym that was created by Dr. Martin Seligman, who was who is one of the founding fa fathers of positive psychology. So PERMA stands for positive emotions. P is for positive emotions. E is for engagement. R is for relationships. M is for meaning. And A is for achievement. So five words. And if we think about it, if we want to get into that north of neutral space, if we want to achieve flourishing in our lives, if we want to get away from stress and anxiety, we need to pay attention to all these five different items. How much positive emotion do you, express, do you experience every day at home and at work? How can you prioritize positive emotions in your life? What can you do to create positive emotions at home and at work. So you asked me, how can folks deal with this stress and anxiety and this crazy world? I'm giving you the answer. Prioritize these five things. Number one, positive emotions. Do you uh, do acts of kindness for others? Do you meditate regularly? Do you, uh, do you, uh, are you grateful? Do you express gratitude on a regular basis? Do you exercise? Do you do self-care? And so on and so forth. So, so that's one thing. Engagement, how engaged are you with your work? How focused are you when you're at work? Are you in flow when you're at work? Or are you totally disengaged and you know totally distracted when you're at work? You're, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram. That's one thing that can help you flourish. And, and that's one thing that can move you away from you know, anxiety and depression. So ask yourself, am I in flow at work? Am I doing my life's work? Am I passionate about what I'm doing? Uh, am I focused on what I'm doing? That's, that's engagement. R, relationships. Do you want to get away from stress, anxiety, depression, anger? Think about your relationships. In this model, these five items will help you become more resilient, will help you become uh, more positive. And uh, these five items will help you move away from stress and anxiety. So relationships, are you investing in your relationships? Uh, close relationships, social relationships, your relationships with your loved ones, your relationships at work. Uh, who are the people that are very close to you? Are you investing in those relationships? Do you have a really good time? Do you have a network of supporting people in your life? Do you know how to have difficult conversations at home and at work? So that's relationships. M, meaning, the fourth item in the PERMA model. Meaning, uh, can you derive meaning from things that happen in your life, good and bad? Do you have a purpose in life? Do you know your life's purpose? Uh, do you know why you're living on this earth? Why you were planted on this earth? Do, do you know your life purpose? What is the bigger cause that you're moving toward? That can help you create positivity in your life. And that can help you move away from stress. And eventually, A, which stands for accomplishment. And accomplishment 
encompasses all different things such as self-efficacy, um, goal setting, planning, managing your time, and so on and so forth. So going back to your original question, and this was a very long answer to your, to your short question, I'm saying when people ask me, I have too much stress, how can I manage my stress? It's not just one thing. You know, if we only think of the PERMA model, which I totally love, there are five different pathways for you to get away from stress, go north of neutral, and experience flourishing in your life. Again, as a recap, prioritize positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment in your life. Mm. I love that answer and that model. And I think what you've done is you've helped everyone understand that it's, it's holistic, right? And so it's around taking a step back and asking yourself the bigger questions, because what can happen a lot is there's blaming everything on external. Oh, all these external factors are happening instead of looking inwards to find out, well, what's actually going on in here internally and that's where you start to get a lot of answers. And then the other thing I like with what you said, um, love positive psychology, I actually heard um, uh, Sean Aker several times speak a lot about it. And he's done great work with the happiness advantage and different things along those lines. But I like what he um, has done. And as you did today as well to um, demystify some of the inaccurate information, because there's another arm where it starts to be the toxic positivity, which is almost starting to make it feel like, oh, we're not supposed to have any of those other emotions. If those emotions happen, just push them down and be positive, positive, positive all the time, which, and, and I know for sure with a positive psychology model, and it can be sometimes misperceived, that's not what it's suggesting because as a human being, you should have the full range of emotions and <laughs> You can also do things where sometimes you might be in a space where you shift, right? Your perspective starts to change. And I, I always talk about um, where focus goes, energy flows, that sometimes your focus can be focusing on things that aren't really serving you and the emotions that come along with it. You all of a sudden go into gratitude, you go into kindness, you going into looking for ways to serve and give all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, what's going on? My body feels completely different because you've you're connecting to yourself in a very different way. And I'd almost say like you've dropped down more into your heart. You're not up here in your head. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's very true. And um, the reason why I didn't start by giving folks, you know, cookie cutter answers, like do more meditation and take care of yourself and go for a walk when you're angry. Uh, because just like you said, it's a holistic way of looking at things. And I want to re-emphasize the fact that no emotion uh, is, you know, unnatural. Negative emotions are natural, are human emotions. Positive emotions are human emotions. We experience them for a reason. We have to pay attention to them and pay attention to the messages uh, that they give them, especially the negative ones. And um, there's this great book by Tom Cashton. It's called The uh, Upside of Your Dark Side. And it's all about the fact that your dark emotions, your negative emotions are giving you messages and they are here for a reason. And if you pay attention to the, to the messages, 
uh, it will actually help you grow even more. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about that shadow side and those times where the emotions are trying to get your attention. Sometimes it's letting you know that a value is not in alignment, right? There's something that's important to you that's not being honored. And what I noticed, and I did a talk on this actually in Las Vegas last month, um, if anybody's listening, you can check that out on the YouTube channel, um, which was about how to discover your true self. And one of the things I talk about is a lot of times people are numbing and then the numbing and the numbing can happen a lot of different ways, overworking on social media, scrolling, having a glass of wine and not wanting to be with those emotions and pushing it down. But those emotions, like you were talking about with the itch. It was trying to get your attention. It's like, job, something's not feeling right here. Let's do some self-exploration here. Let's do some reflection, something. And so it's, it's an opportunity. We don't want to numb it. We want to get curious around what those emotions are here to tell us. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I love uh, the word, the way you use the word numbing. Uh, and I remember uh, one of the positive psychology teachers say that, when you numb your negative emotions, guess what, what happens? You numb your positive emotions as well, right? You're numbing the negative side, but at the same time, you're, you're wondering, why am I not happy, right? Why am I not experiencing joy in my life? Because you're not paying attention to the negative emotions. You know, you have to pay attention to both sides. You have to become aware of both sides and, and act accordingly. Yes, yes. I remember Brene Brown talking about that a lot, saying that when you're numbing, you're numbing joy. And mm. surprisingly, one of the hardest emotions for us to experience, she found through her research, is joy. Because joy can feel very uncomfortable, especially when you're in that high, high level of joy. And she she used a reference in the story, which I connected to because I said, oh, my gosh, I do that, um, where I, my kids would be sleeping and I look over at them and they just would look so peaceful, so angelic, so beautiful. And in that moment, I felt this intense joy. And then to protect myself, because the emotions were feeling too much, it was like, oh my God, something's going to happen. Is there going to be a car accident? What's going to happen? Right. Because the joy was so intense that I was trying to get myself out of it. And my mind was doing that. So it's so interesting what, what we do when we're experiencing some of those emotions that, and, and joy can be one of them too, that we actually pull ourselves out of it. Yeah, yeah, that foreboding joy, that's what Brené Brown says. And, and you know, uh, fearing about, am I jinxing myself? And, 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 and yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and one of the ways to counter that feeling uh, is to be just grateful, to go into this state of gratitude. If, 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 if you're experiencing joy, uh, don't, don't go in that direction of jinxing and foreboding joy. Just, just, go into full gratitude mode and, and just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So Shahab, as we're starting to approach the end of today's discussion, um, I always like to give um, my, my guests an opportunity to be a little bit vulnerable and talk a little bit about yourself in terms of where you are right now. And I also want to say you've been incredibly vulnerable and thank you for being so open this entire conversation. But as someone who's constantly evolving and growing, what are you noticing right now where you are on your leadership journey in terms of some of those edges and where you want to continue to challenge yourself and grow as a leader? Yeah, thanks for asking. It was this morning I was talking to my wife about our main challenge. So we are at that 
stage of our business where we are scaling. So we have a team of 11 people at my company. Some of them are part-time. Some of them are uh, contractors that we regularly work with. Um, and human resources, that's, that's our main challenge right now. We are a small company. We are scaling. We are becoming bigger and bigger. And we need more people who are aligned with our mission, uh, who know about our vision, and at the same time, who are reliable, good people professionally, right? So that's the challenge we are facing, and, and we're working on it all the time. And, and I realized that when you get past that first phase where, you know, when, where you're on your own, it's just a one-man business. When you get past that stage and you want to scale, you sometimes see that you are the bottleneck. You are the, the very thing that's, you know, stopping the growth of the, con uh, of the company. And we have great people on our team right now, but we need more of them. We need more people. And that's what we're working on at North Star Success right now. So just recognizing what does it look like to find the right people who are the right fit. And sometimes that means I hear you saying that you can't do it all. It's getting an expert in HR, perhaps, who's going to be able to help you find those people as well, maybe down the road. Totally. Absolutely true. Mm, excellent. And then the last question for you is I want to give you an opportunity or not so much a question, but whatever's showing up for you in this moment as a final thought that you'd like to leave with the audience. Um, if I, if I were to uh, leave the audience with one sentence, it would be just face your fears, face your fears. When you face your fears, you will see that your fears are not that big. Your fears are not that frightening. And you have overcome your challenges in the past. You will overcome the new challenges as well. Mm, excellent, excellent advice. Shahab, where can people learn more about you? Thanks for asking. Uh, so I'm on social media, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Also, my website is northstarsuccess.com. Perfect. And we will have all of that on the show notes. Shahab, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Kristen. And for everybody, wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're sending tons of love. Bye-bye. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.